Hello. I am a robot. You are listening to Strength in Depth. A 200% podcast. Hello everybody, and welcome to Strength in Depth, a 200% podcast. This is a history of non-league football, from the time when all football was non-league to the present day, when the top end of the non-league game is practically indistinguishable from the lower reaches of the football league. This is a love story, the story of a part of the game which is kept alive by the dedication of those who will not see it die. But it's also a story of corruption, greed and exclusion, and of clubs that live hand-to-mouth existences without such luxuries as fat television contracts and exorbitant ticket prices to fall back upon. At the end of the 1880s, amateur football in England was already facing a crossroads. The amateur clubs which had dominated the early years of the FA Cup had been usurped on the pitch by the professionals but behind the scenes they were still very much in charge of the Football Association. The result of this was the creation of a tournament that would become non-league football's end-of-season showpiece for the next eight decades. This is a story of the FA Amateur Cup. By 1893, it was clear that the amateurs were already starting to lose their grip on the future of senior football. They'd already been fighting a losing battle for more than a decade. In front of 8,000 spectators at Kennington Oval on the 31st of March 1883, Blackburn Olympic defeated Old Etonians by two goals to one after extra time to win the FA Cup. It was the first... It was the first time that a working class team playing the combination game of passing had beaten a team playing the public school tactics of rushing and scrimmages to win this already prestigious competition. The Athletic News, a sports paper sympathetic to the amateur ethos, had described the game as beforehand as patricians versus plebeians. The matter of professionalism came to a head the following year. The ambitious owner of Preston North End had been tempting Scottish players south in exchange for jobs since around 1880. But when Preston beat the amateur club Upton Park by 10 goals to nil in an FA Cup match in January 1884, their opponents lodged a complaint that Preston were, in contradiction of the FA's rules, paying their players. The FA found in their favour and expelled Preston from the competition. Upton Park were reinstated for the next round, but were beaten 3-0 at home by Blackburn Olympic, another club who were paying their players. In 
Perhaps surprisingly, the most vocal opponents of professionalism didn't come from the southern amateurs. The opponents of professionalism tended to come from Sheffield and Nottingham, and they pushed the FA to issue a questionnaire to members in 1884 asking for details on their players, including any wages, under the threat of expulsion should they refuse to do so. The Lancashire clubs convened and pledged not to answer the questionnaire, and it was even suggested that they might withdraw en masse from the FA Cup and set up a rival professional association. Charles Alcock, the secretary of the Football Association and the mastermind behind the first international matches between England and Scotland at the start of the 1870s, turned out to be the man who found a way through this mess. On the 27th of July 1885, the FA ended its ban on professionalism. This, however, came with conditions attached. Clubs were now allowed to pay players, provided that they had either been born or had lived for two years within a six-mile radius of the club's ground. A rule put in place to try and curb the tide of clubs importing players en masse from Scotland, which wasn't removed until 1890 whilst rules were also put in place preventing professional players playing for more than one club in a season without obtaining special permission. To this end, all professional players now had to be registered with the FA. According to the governing body itself, it was in the interests of association football to legalise the employment of professional football players. From here on, the path towards the formation of the Football League was largely downhill. Professional clubs were now dominating the FA Cup, but this competition alone didn't ensure enough revenue for these clubs to be able to pay their players. Early elimination from the competition effectively ended a club's competitive season, and with the first round being played in the middle of October by 1887, The remainder of the season was a very long time to go with only friendly matches to play. Frustrated by this, 12 professional clubs formed the Football League for the start of the 1888-89 season. By 1890 then, the professionals had their own league, with more springing up around it, and won the FA Cup every year, but the amateurs still ultimately controlled the Football Association itself. In 1892, the committee of the country's oldest club, Sheffield FC, suggested the organisation of a separate National Cup solely for amateur teams, and even offered to pay for the trophy itself. The FA declined the club's offer, but a year later decided to organise just such a competition themselves. N.L. Jackson of Corinthian FC was appointed chairman of the Amateur Cup subcommittee and arranged for the purchase of a trophy valued at £30, and the first tournament was scheduled for the 1893-94 season. The old boys won the first tournament, Twelve public schools were amongst the entrants for the first FA Amateur Cup and its first winners were Old Carthusians, the old boys team from Charterhouse, 
who beat casuals by two goals to nil at the athletic ground in Richmond in the final. The first warnings that the establishment clubs that had dominated the early years of the FA Cup might not have retreated into themselves far enough didn't take long to appear though. The Carthusians reached the final for a second year in a row the following year, but this time they were beaten by Middlesbrough, an amateur team who joined the Northern League upon its inception in 1889 and had been either runners-up or winners of that league for each of the previous four years. The early years of the Amateur Cup were not without their problems though. In the competition's first season, Tottenham Hotspur were thrown out of the competition after becoming embroiled in what became known as the Payne's Boot Affair. After a London Senior Cup match against a team called St Mark's, Spurs were found to have lent a professional player that had turned out for them, free of charge, 10 shillings to buy a pair of boots. The harsh treatment that the club received was enough to persuade them to turn professional in 1895. In 1899, Royal Artillery Portsmouth's players went away to a training camp and the complimentary cigars and wine that the players received were considered to be payment, leading to the club's expulsion from the competition. The professional Portsmouth FC were formed later that year. In 1898, the quarter-final match between Middlesbrough and Thornaby was postponed three times because of an outbreak of smallpox in the two towns. The FA eventually ordered that the match be played at Darlington, but Darlington officials refused the teams to play there for fear that the players would be contaminated with the disease. Eventually, the match was played at a village called Broughton, near Redcar, 20 miles from Middlesbrough, and with no spectators present. Not only were the professional leagues too strong for the gentlemen amateurs, but a lot of other clubs were now looking like they might be too. The following year, another Northern League club, Bishop Auckland, won the trophy, beating the Royal Artillery in the final. And although Gold Carthusians restored a little honour the following year by beating Stockton after a replay, the next four successive years saw four different Northern League clubs, Middlesbrough, Stockton, Crooktown and Bishop Auckland, win the competition. Furthermore, the gentlemen amateurs were nowhere to be seen throughout this run, with Northern League clubs beating Uxbridge, Harwich and Parkston, Lowestoft Town and Kings Lynn in the first four finals. The only established old boys club to regularly reach the latter stages of this competition was Old Mulvernians, and they won the competition in 1902, beating Bishop Auckland in the final. This, however, would be the last time that the old boys would appear in the FA Amateur Cup final. On the 12th of October 1901, an article appeared in a newspaper headed Amateur Clubs and the English Cup. It began, It has been said that amateur football is in the decline, that it is not what it was, and that its ultimate insignificance is, in fact, merely a matter of time. This reflected the growing impression that amateur football was doomed 
and was read by Arthur Dunn, who had been a member of the Old Etonians team that had been the last of these teams to win the FA Cup some 20 years earlier. He wrote to the Old Etonian, Norman Malcolmson, suggesting another competition, reserved solely for the old boys. Dunn did not have time, however, to see this idea through. He died suddenly on the evening of the 19th of February 1902. On the 12th of March 1902, though, just three weeks after his death, an informal meeting of the old boys interested in amateur football was convened by Malcolmson, at which the following resolutions were passed. That in the opinion of this meeting, an annual competition under association rules in the form of a cup contest confined to the representatives of the chief public schools is desirable. That a trophy to be called the Arthur Dunn Memorial Cup or by some such title be provided for the competition to be held by the winners for one year. That the following schools be invited to appoint one representative to act on the general committee. Bradfield, Brighton, Charterhouse, Eton, Felsted, Forest, Harrow, Lansing, Malvern, Radley, Repton, Russell, Shrewsbury, Westminster and Winchester. The competition to be for the old boys of the above schools. Those present also expressed the view that any surplus profits from the competition should be given to charity. This informal meeting was followed, three weeks later, by a formal one, at which the chair was taken by no lesser figure than C. Reeford Brown, a pillar of the Corinthians and capped four times for England in full internationals. The motions passed by the informal meeting were unanimously confirmed and officers were appointed. The first Arthur Dunn Memorial Cup was held in 1903, and was shared between old Carthusians and old Salopians. The old boys had left the FA Amateur Cup forever. So by 1902, there was not only a split between amateurs and professionals, but there was a split between amateurs and amateurs, and football would come close to a similar schism to that which had formed between Rugby League and Rugby Union in 1906, with the formation of what were become known as the Amateur Football Alliance. Some teams associated with the armed services did persist in the FA Amateur Cup. The Depot Battalion of the Royal Engineers won it in 1908, and the Royal Marine Light Infantry of Gospel did so three years later. With the occasional other outliers, such as Sheffield FC, the oldest football club in the world, in 1902, and Oxford City in 1911, a clear pattern was forming. The Northern League and the Isthmian League were the strongest performing leagues in the competition. The North East and London and the South East were where the FA Amateur Cup was taken the most seriously. The Isthmian League began in 1905, and its first FA Amateur Cup winner was Clapton two years later. The way things were going was clearly signalled in the last five years before the First World War called everything to a halt. Bromley won it in 1911, but the next three years brought a Northern League hat-trick of Stockton, Southbank and Bishop Auckland, before another win for Clapton in 1915. 
interwar years started with another tussle between North and South. Dulwich Hamlet won the first Amateur Cup after its return in 1920, but Bishop Auckland, already pulling clear as the most successful team in the entire history of the competition, followed that up with two straight wins. From there on, though, the Isthmian League almost completely dominated the competition, with only Bishop Auckland able to put up any resistance on behalf of the North East. They won the competition in 1935 and 1939, but other than that, and the Manchester-based Northern Nomads, who won it in 1926, it was a clean sweep for the Isthmian League between the wars. Dulwich Hamlet won it a further three times before 1939. Clapton, Leighton and Ilford all won it twice over the same time span. Wickham Wanderers, Bromley, Kingstonian and London Caledonians all won it once each. Even Casuals, runners-up in that very first final back in 1894, got in on the act, winning it in 1936. They merged with Corinthians in 1939. Perhaps this southern buyer shouldn't have been a massive surprise, though. The Great Depression swept through Britain in the early 1930s, and the northeast of England was amongst the hardest-hit areas, whereas London and the southeast remained largely unscathed. Football league clubs such as Durham City and Ashington found themselves in difficulties, and even though Northern League clubs didn't have the burden of a wage bill, running costs were still impacted by falling crowds, in particular travel costs for amateur cup matches. There was no Isthmian League presence in the last final before the war broke out again, though. Bishop Auckland won the 1939 FA Amateur Cup, beating fellow Northern League club Willington by three goals to nil at Roker Park in Sunderland. When football returned after the Second World War, there was a huge audience waiting for it. Like the FA Cup, the FA Amateur Cup returned for the 1945-46 season a year before the league programmes resumed, with Barnet winning the first tournament after the restart and Leytonston winning the next two. The finals for these matches, hosted at Stamford Bridge and Wembley, were huge, so in the summer of 1948, the FA had an announcement to make that would raise the profile of the FA Amateur Cup still further. From the 1948-49 season on, the FA Amateur Cup final would be played at Wembley. In this day and age, it can be difficult to judge how much a trip to Wembley might mean to players and supporters at the time. The only domestic game played there throughout the season was the FA Cup final. The League Cup didn't even exist at the time, while the Charity Shield wouldn't be played there until 1974. And with matches still not really covered on the television, the most that many players and supporters knew about it was the few snapshots of it that they may have seen on newsreel films and in photographs, and its reputation. Amid all this change, there remained one group of people who wanted the past to come back as quickly as possible. In 1948, Dr Harold Thompson, a fellow of St John's College, Oxford, proposed a merger between the Oxford and Cambridge University teams to compete in the FA Amateur Cup. 
the team would be called Pegasus AFC, the team name symbolising the union of Oxford's centaur with the falcon of Cambridge. That Pegasus would have significant resources was a given. For example, two Tottenham Hotspur players, Vic Buckingham and Bill Nicholson, had coached Oxford and Cambridge respectively, so it was no great surprise that Pegasus would draw comparisons with the Tottenham Hotspur team of the era, which won the first division title of the Football League in 1951, playing manager Arthur Rowe's push-and-run style. Thompson, like R.W. Stowley and the Argonauts 20 years earlier, was looking to revive an ideal, an ethos of fair play and the game for the game's sake, underpinned by strong Olympian ideals. The amateur leagues were already gaining a reputation for not being as idealistically amateur as they'd been intended to be, and Thompson sought to redress a balance that had been swinging consistently away from his side of the game for decades. This, however, was not a team of fey undergraduates plucked from beneath the dreaming spires. Many Pegasus players were former servicemen who'd missed out on their first part of their playing careers, and I use that word advisedly, due to the war. But it took them a little while to gel, without league matches to offer them the chance to do so. Pegasus beat Willington in their first ever match in the tournament in 1948, but were beaten by the eventual winners Bromley in the quarter-finals. The following year, they didn't take part in it at all, but in 1951, it must have felt to Thompson as though the years had rolled back. Pegasus beat Slough Town, Brentwood and Worley, Oxford City and Hendon to reach the final. It hadn't been a straightforward route to the final. Only a late equaliser got them to a replay in the semi-final at Highbury, and they trailed twice in the final at Selhurst Park before winning by three goals to two. The 1951 FA Amateur Cup final was then a clash of two different versions of what the amateur game could be. Pegasus's opponents were as daunting as it could get, eight times winners Bishop Auckland. But on this occasion, Pegasus did win through, racing into a two-goal lead before the Bishops pulled one back. The purest form of amateurism had won the day this time around. At Wembley, Saunders beats McIlvenny in the toss before an amateur cup final record crowd of 100,000. And with conditions perfect, Bishop Auckland kick off. Right away, Pegasus in white get the ball and start an attack that has the crowd surprised. Here's a grand movement, typical Spurs stuff. Beat a man and pass right along the line. Now Potts has it. He runs on and centres. But the ball's intercepted by Davison, who clears and starts Bishop Auckland on the attack. But Brown, whose penalty save against Hendon kept Pegasus in the cup, wasn't troubled. And at half-time, there's no score. In the second half, Pawson sent over a fine corner, which White fumbled. Right half Hardesy hooked off the line. No goal, but Pegasus was soon rewarded. Dutchman sent over a beauty, and Potts scored with an amazing header that whizzed past White like a rocket. The second Pegasus goal came from a Dutchman pass to Tanner. The Pegasus centre beat Marshall and shot past White to make it Pegasus 2, Bishop Auckland nil. Then the Durham team scored with a corner kick. In the thick of it, Nimmins kicked overhead into the net. But that was the end. 
And in only their third season, Pegasus had won the cup. If you want a ticket for next year's final, you'd better book now. Pegasus have put amateur football bang on the Wembley map. And they'll probably be there to meet you. The following year, they were beaten in the second round by Crook Town. But in 1953, Pegasus were back in the final. Hayes, Cockfield, Corinthian Casuals, Sloughtown and Southall were all beaten en route to a final against Harwich and Parkston of the Eastern Counties League. This time, there was no doubt about the result. Pegasus won by six goals to nil, a score which matched the Northern Nomad's 7-1 win against Stockton in 1926 and Clapton's 6-0 win against Eston United in 1909 as the joint highest margin of victory in an FA Amateur Cup final. It couldn't last, though. The following year, Pegasus were beaten comfortably in the quarterfinals by Briggs Sports, and in 1955, Wickham Wanderers beat them at the same stage, after a replay. But as the 1950s wore on, Pegasus started to struggle more and more. Without regular league football, it became increasingly difficult to recruit players, with more choosing Isthmian league football with Corinthian casuals. In 1963, Pegasus folded. It turned out that they had been a last gasp of breath for this old world of universities, armed forces and other arms of the establishment having a serious influence within English football's ecosystem, at least on the playing side. It would be Bishop Auckland who would go on to dominate the Amateur Cup in the 1950s, winning the tournament three times in a row between 1955 and 1957. It would be Bishop Auckland who would go on to dominate the Amateur Cup in the 1950s, winning the tournament three times in a row between 1955 and 1957, when Manchester United's Busby Babes were decimated by the 1958 Munich air disaster the Bishops lent United three of their players. There has been a close bond between the clubs ever since. Still though, the whispering continued about the -the under-the-counter payments to players. Shamaturism was the name that had been given to it, and the whispers would get louder and louder as the 1960s progressed. The key moment in the death of the amateur game came at the end of the 1962-63 season. The Isthmian League was expanding from 16 to 20 clubs and one of those invited to join was Hitchin Town of the Athenian League. At the end of the season, the club's president, Sidney Stapleton, spoke in a somewhat loose-lipped manner to a national newspaper journalist, stating that he had been playing his players throughout the previous season. The FA banned Stapleton from all football activity in November 1964. The ban was lifted at the start of 1967, but the damage by this time had already been done. Shamateurism was now out in the open rather than simply being an open secret. This meant potential ramifications for the Football Association if they didn't clamp down on it. The taxman was starting to take an interest, and their interest might not stop at individual clubs if it was widespread enough. The FA, it might be argued, were enabling systematic tax avoidance by retaining the distinction between amateur and professional players.
Highgate United's FA Amateur Cup run in the 1966-67 season had already raised eyebrows by the time they reached the quarter-finals of the competition. Playing in the Worcestershire Combination League, the club from Shirley, just outside Solihull in the West Midlands, had already excelled in reaching this stage of the competition, and their reward was a home match against Enfield, one of the giants of the tail end of the amateur era. Highgate's Tithe Barn Lane ground was spruced up accordingly for the occasion, with temporary stands being added to cater for the larger-than-average crowd of around 2,000 spectators. The match kicked off on the 25th of February 1967 in pouring rain, and with a thunderstorm in the distance. Enfield took an early lead, but the real drama of the day occurred 27 minutes later, when a bolt of lightning struck the centre circle of the pitch. Several players and the referee were felled, but the Highgate United centre-half, Tony Alden, had been struck. The match was abandoned, and Alden was taken to Solihull Hospital, but he never regained consciousness and died from his injuries at lunchtime the following day. The match was scheduled to be replayed ten days later, but huge media interest meant that Tithe Barn Lane wasn't an appropriate venue to be used, and it was switched to Villa Park. No one fully expected that a crowd of just over 31,000 would turn out for the replay, though. A remarkable tribute to a footballer that all bar a fraction of the crowd had surely ever heard of. Enfield won by six goals to nil. The result, however, was obviously not the most important aspect of this evening. Six weeks later, a testimonial match for him was played at Birmingham City's St Andrews between a Midland All-Stars eleven and an International eleven. Enfield, meanwhile, went on to win the AFA Amateur Cup in 1967, beating Skelmersdale United 3-0 at Main Road after a 0-0 draw at Wembley. Tony Alden's name lives on in the form of the Tony Alden Memorial Cup. After his death, Highgate United donated a trophy to the Worcestershire Combination. The league changed its name in 1968 to the Midland Football Combination, but the trophy has been competed for every year since 1970 between the winners of its Premier Division and the winners of its Challenge Cup. 50 years on, even now he's still got painful memories. Roy Taylor and his elder brother Eric are sharing an emotional return to their old football club, Highgate United. We didn't have floodlights in those days. Um, And certainly this stand even, you know, is a a big, big improvement. It was February the 25th, 1967, and Highgate were playing Enfield in the quarterfinals of the FA Amateur Cup. A record crowd of more than 3,000 had come to watch, but they had no idea of the tragedy that was about to unfold. As the game progressed, the rain became heavier and heavier, and it became eerily dark. Watching TV back home in Kings Heath, Birmingham, Roy and Eric's father, Harry Taylor, first learnt of the tragic news. Just a very quick line about uh, an amateur cup match that's being played up in Birmingham between Highgate United and Enfield. We're told that lightning up there has stopped the match. Lightning stopped that game. Both his sons were taken to hospital and treated for shock. 24 hours later, it was announced that their Highgate United teammate, Tony Alden, had passed away. Just a flash and 
a lot of the players went down like a, a pack of cards. One lightning strike and that was it, you know, so unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. News of the tragedy touched the hearts of the nation and two weeks later a huge crowd of more than 30,000 turned out to watch the rearranged game at Villa Park. The proceeds went to help Tony's family, but the Highgate players were overwhelmed by the occasion and lost 6-0. By the end of the 1960s, it was starting to become clear that the amateur game couldn't be sustained any longer. The Northern League was already waning in power, with only one team, North Shields, in 1969, winning the Amateur Cup in its last nine years of existence. Crowds had slumped across the game from the middle of the 1950s on, but the amateur leagues, with no promotion or relegation and no place within football's broader ecosystem, had been hit harder than most. On top of this, the semi-professionals were eating into the privileges that the amateurs had enjoyed within the FA for decades. In 1968, the biggest semi-professional clubs in the north of England broke away to form the Northern Premier League, finally giving a similar structure in the north of England to that which existed in the south since the end of the 19th century. And the following year, the FA launched the FA Trophy, a cup competition for semi-professional non-league clubs, with a Wembley final. Crowds for the Amateur Cup final started to slump as well. 75,000 people saw Enfield goalkeeper Ian Wollstoneholm save a last-minute penalty to preserve a goalless draw against Skelmersdale United in 1967. Within five years, that number had halved and was still falling. The bell finally tolled for the amateur game within football's wider world, and by extension the FA Amateur Cup, on the 27th of November 1972 when the FA Council voted to abolish the difference in status between professional and amateur players. The FA's secretary, Dennis Follows, noted soberly that my headache has gone. It's been passed to the tax man. The final FA Amateur Cup final was played on the 20th of April 1974 at Wembley in front of a crowd of 30,500 people, with Bishop Stortford beating Ilford by four goals to one. The larger former amateur clubs were subsumed into the FA Trophy for the following season, whilst a new competition, the FA Vars, was introduced for the smaller clubs. So in the club centenary year, Bishop Stortford collect the cup from Lord Netherthorpe. For manager Ted Hardy, it's a dream come true. Bishop Stortford, the last holders of the Amateur Cup, the last of the dedicated amateurs to whom the thought of receiving any payment for playing soccer was as remote as the sun itself. Both the FA Trophy and the FA Vars still exist to this day, although neither has reached the status that the FA Amateur Cup did in its heyday, and the FA Trophy in particular has suffered with the change in makeup of the football conference, all the more since the introduction of playoffs for a second promotion place into the Football League. The former amateur leagues didn't just disappear, of course. The Isthmian League embraced the new future, signing a league sponsorship deal with Rothman's Cigarettes in 1973 and expanding for the first time to two divisions. Corinthian Casuals, for so long considered the true bastions of amateurism within the non-league system, were the first club to be relegated from the Isthmian League in 1974, with just three wins all season. The Athenian League disbanded in 1984, 
when the Isthmian League 2nd Division split into North and South Divisions. The Isthmian League finally joined the now-evolving non-league pyramid, offering a promotion place to its champions the following year. Only the Northern League held out, repeatedly refusing invitations from the FA to join the non-league pyramid. Throughout the 1980s, its leading clubs defected to other leagues within the football pyramid, such as the Northern Counties East Football League. When the Northern League finally joined the pyramid in 1991, it was as a feeder league to the lower divisions of the Northern Premier League. Arguably true to its origins, the Northern League has come to dominate the FA Vars, the junior of the two National Non-League Cup competitions now organised by the FA. Northern League clubs have won seven of its last ten finals. Amateurism was a side effect of the way in which Football Association came to exist in the first place. The public schoolboys of the 1840s and 1850s became the FA's first administrators in 1863, and their influence was always greater than their number. These were mostly men of substantial means. They could afford to play for nothing. They could afford to have ideals. This wasn't a luxury available to many of the amateur players who inhabited the likes of the Isthmian and Northern Leagues, who couldn't afford to lose pay to travel to play football. The competitive nature of the game, however, meant that this couldn't last forever. It was clear by the end of the 1950s that clubs, who were still keen to win matches and trophies in order to retain supporters, were starting to pay their players, whether the FA liked it or not. And when the cat came out of the bag in relation to these payments in the national media in the 1960s, it became a matter of legality in a world that had changed more than the amateurs of a century earlier might even have believed possible. Players, coaches and clubs might well have found themselves in court. The FA, through having this distinction between amateur and professionals in the first place, might even have been legally considered to be enablers of widespread tax avoidance. The world had moved on from the amateurs, just as it had been doing since these competitive urges first manifested themselves in the 1860s. In many respects, the biggest surprise of it all is that their influence lasted as long as it did. Indeed, we might even argue that it still exists to some extent to this day, in the widespread belief that non-league football is a purer experience than the Football League or the Premier League. Next week on Strength in Depth, the FA Cup has existed for longer than any football league in the world. But even though it's almost 120 years since a non-league club last won it, and while it seems vanishingly unlikely that it could ever happen again, this tournament remains solidly wedded to the non-league game. And you are listening to this 200% podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Be good to each other. And robots.